In a relatively short time, prog and post-punk maestros Sam Adams have garnered an inspired following for bucking all sorts of oral cliches. Instead, choosing to forge ahead with brilliantly tempered blasts, soothing instrumentals, and swaying experimental rock freakouts, courtesy of frontman Sam Adams. The band's 2013 LP, No Vengeance, shows a remarkable dexterity for explorations of technically proficient rock reminiscent of Radiohead while carving out niches all their own. Comfort in Doubt, the second full length from Portland avant-garde three-piece, Samadam sings with the keen cry of innocence lost. The band is straightforward about the challenges surrounding their sophomore effort. We were very busy between constant touring schedules and juggling personal lives, which resulted in a lull from writing new material, says drummer Chris Hermson. And yet, the time scarcity that is a stumbling block for many bands on their second album may have opened the, the door to creativity for an unseen source, Lisa Adams, organist, vocalist, and partner to frontman Sam Adams. While Lisa had been collaborating musically with Adams since they moved to Portland, Oregon in 2010, the new album marks her first foray into songwriting. Hailing from Indiana, Ohio, and Iowa, the band has been at the forefront of a movement in Portland's music scene, away from the twee chamber pop and towards something more expressive. What is striking in their music and in their performance is that nothing is added for effect. There is a sense of exploratory process that is occurring before our eyes and around our ears, and nothing is more exciting than discovery. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Bowles, and this is 42 Minutes, a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. You can a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com, and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Saturday, March 11th, and our March music showcase is well underway. It's that time of year when the show meets up exclusively with the artists performing during the upcoming Treefort Music Fest in beautiful downtown Boise from March 22nd to 26th. We have a number of interesting bands lined up and are excited to introduce them to you, but as well, anyone that we've spoken to in the past performing at Treefort this year, those shows are available free in the archive, as well as the couple of Storyfort authors that I spoke to earlier this year. That said, today we're speaking with Portland bands. Am I saying this right, Sam Adams? Oh yeah, it's Sam Adams. Sam Adams. And Sam Adams is, is yeah. Chris, Lisa, and Sam. Chris, Lisa, and Sam, yep. And currently you are in a van traveling to San Francisco. Yeah, we're, uh, we're heading, what is it, southwest at the moment from Sacramento. So, yeah, good times. Lots, a little bit of traffic, but... No, that's good. It's probably better for the, the volume for the road. So, either way. Okay. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I just got off work, and so I'm a little a little harried. I normally have a little more time to decompress before work or just to prep myself for talking to people I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be gentle. Okay, so it's funny because... I wanted to ask the big conceptual question, what does the name mean? It seems so enigmatic. And then I tried to Google you, and it's like, oh, duh. Yeah, that's, I hear that a lot. <laughs> we hear that. It's a, 
you know, I think that it's it's good that it's kind of confusing. I I, I really I don't want the the name to be my name, but um, this is Sam talking, by the way. But because uh, Lisa, you know, Lisa writes more songs now, and it's really collaborative. So yeah, it's just the name. Sam Adams is, is it. well. I'll answer. We'll answer a lot of stuff. We actually got billed with Sam Abama once. Sam was, Sam Abama. Sam Abama. <laughs> There's a, a a venue in, in Sacramento that they build us as such, and we probably should have changed the name to that at that, at that very moment. But, yeah. Okay. This opportunity. Comfort and Doubt came out in 2016. Is that correct? Kind of, yeah. It, we re-released it for Europe in 2016. We had, uh, we added a couple of bonus tracks onto it, but it came out in 2013, actually. Oh, wow. I think. Okay. 2014. Oh, sorry, 15, 2015. <laughs> yeah. So. But currently you have an EP available, and then there's another song that I, like on some Portland uh, uh, compilation as well. Is that correct? Yeah, evil and evil and house, right? I think so. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, we've been keeping busy. Yeah. Uh, well, so the the <laughs> most interesting thing to me is so in in the in your bio, you talk about the process of discovery right before your eyes, and the thing that I noticed when I listened to you, and this is what I was thinking about, it's so interesting why, you know, when we're compelled to do something, oftentimes, the whole thing with Treefort is, for a while, they were billing themselves as a festival of discovery, and so this is an opportunity for people to try something that they haven't ever had in a kind of like a yeah. in a big way because um, it's it's all it's a whole week of this stuff and so I'm really happy to have found you because there's something really interesting in kind of a jazz sort of cathartic expressive way that I think your live shows must be really awesome. Oh yeah, it, it's. I mean, first of all, I really I love Treeport. It's uh, we played we played Treeport a couple of years ago and it was a a restorative kind of really wonderful experience because of that kind of like exploration and that that discovery that that you get and everybody's just it's just so fun to like hang out with all your friends and make new ones. Boise is a very approachable city in that way and um, yeah, I know we in terms of our our music we. We kind of try to keep things, uh, I guess, yeah, like pared down to to the minimum, I suppose. To to, but but we still do layer quite a bit of things on on top. But we just if we have a bass line, we just play it with our feet with the bass pedals or or something like that instead of hiring another person to to play something. So. Yeah, I think it's, this is uh, Lisa and. Um, I think it's really interesting playing as a group that's a trio, and I think it's cool that you that you hear jazz influence. I think we all have kind of had some experience of jazz. Certainly not. I am by no means like an expert, but I grew up in a house where we listened to a lot of jazz, and um, a lot of times you hear a group of people who really play together, and they like they really listen to one another. And I think for us, we've certainly, we've certainly tried to do that. And I think 
that's what, for me, that's one of the most enjoyable, like, parts about our band is that we do have this opportunity to really listen and kind of make these shapes and these textures kind of appear in the music. Uh, and doing that as a trio is, it's very connective. And I feel like, I feel like I can, I can understand Chris and Sam uh, in our music. And we, we kind of know how to play off one another and, so that's been a, and we've been a band for almost five years now, so we've really had a lot of time to just, yeah, get to know each other and, and play music together. So There is something oh. kind of mathy about it. Um, I'm wondering, is, do you, is it, um, when you guys perform the material live, is it pretty much, you perform it the same way every time, or are there sections that are... Uh, riffy that go on for an indeterminate amount of time depending on you know how you're feeling or whatever like well, imp- yeah, we, improvisation there's not, a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of stretching in terms of length but we do improvise like I know I've vocally improvised quite a bit and all the solos like the guitar solos and the synth solos uh, are improvised um and there is a good amount of flexibility there. Uh, it sort of feels kind of like an improvisation, I guess. Um, but yeah, a lot of our songs, uh, they have pretty pretty strict forms, so they don't, we're not like jamming out. Or anything. Okay. Well, but yeah, we. It does. It has that kind of. There's a quality that I heard that kind of is. I mean, so. You don't know where it's necessarily going. It's kind of a ride, I guess, is the way I oh, would cool. say it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, we try to, we try to find kind of fresh ways, ways to like to do a song that, you know, like a new approach to a to, like the rock format or the pop format. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it, kind of works. <laughs> so who is driving? And, uh, who's driving the van? And what what? kind of van do you guys take on tour oh chris is driving the van right now why why don't why don't you describe the experience of driving this van what kind of van is it we got a big one ton 1995 uh dodge ram 3500 15 passenger extended cab riding real rough on california road feeling good uh yeah it's loud (laughs) <laughs> Chris, can, you, can you hear anything? No. Chris can't hear anything. Uh, so. we, have a, we have a tape deck in our van that currently doesn't work. Doesn't work, yeah. And the the clock in the van stopped working the day after the election. Oh, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. So, yeah. yeah, you can turn it on now and it's just straight up hit the whole time. So. Yeah. It was fitting. It was just nothing but static. <laughs> I turned on that November, what was it, November 6th, or when was eight, the election? Eight. The day after. Yeah. Nothing but static. And that's that was what I wanted to hear at, at that very moment. Ah. <laughs> so. Do you guys like science fiction? It sounds like maybe your van does. Van like science fiction, I think so. I think it, uh, I like, um, I used to read a lot of Star Wars novels when I was a kid. Uh, I think that's kind of science fiction. <laughs> it's certainly science and fiction, but it's not. It's kind of more like opera, like a soap opera. What? what how? How much? How extensive have you guys toured 
And how extensive is this tour that you're on? Oh, we're doing a four-day down through California, down to LA from Portland. So we're, I guess, for the last couple months, we've been we've really been trying to get this record released, and there's been a lot of just kind of footwork to try to connect with labels and try to find someone to help us. yeah, we have a we have a record that we're kind of sitting on right now. Yeah, so touring we haven't done as much this year, but uh, it looks like next year we're going to be heading out for quite a bit, get the new record ready, and kind of plan a whole tour around that. So looking like we'll do probably three or four tours next year. So yeah, yeah. So in the fall. And and then. Uh, oh. Are you guys, do you have music jobs where when you're back in Portland you have to, it, it's within the field in some fashion, or do you have your normal rock star type jobs? Well, yeah, Chris, Chris, uh, I'll speak for him. He, he works for, uh, he works in pizza. Sure. He's a, he's a, uh, a massively talented uh, pizza reader. I don't know how he, I don't know what he, how you call it, uh, a dough tosser, a, uh, um, anyway, uh, but, uh, I teach piano lessons and I refinish pianos as well. Um, like kind of stripping the lacquer and spraying it on and doing, I just sand all day long. Um, it's a lot of fun. And Lisa, I'm a I'm a substitute teacher, so I I have a music education degree. So uh, I taught full time music for five years, and then when we started touring a lot more, I I stepped away from full time teaching, and I do subbing work now. So I oftentimes will sub for music teachers and cover their classes, uh, and then I also teach privately, like teach private lessons in Portland. So. And, and w- with a yeah. classical music background, does that do you let go of some of that when you're uh, when you're composing, or is that front and center in this band? The classical music, uh, classically. I, I love. But the, the like the training, the classical training, the idea of theory, and so yeah, she has this awareness of oh, I understand uh, harmonically what's happening here. Or do you just kind of let that in and and let this song. So it's like a, it's a it's a mix. I uh, I feel like I mean after I got a degree in uh, in in jazz and classical piano, oh, and wow. I I just got I got into theory really big. Yeah. And I couldn't write I couldn't write a single song for five years after that. So it was just because I I think I was just overwhelmed with the complexity of what music or Western music could be, at least by the standards that Western music kind of like lifts up, um, yeah. you know, harmonic density and all that stuff sure. that people think is impressive. But then I kind of started really stepping back and trying to have a more, um, really, uh, the things that really have helped me kind of refine my voice in music is, uh, um, we do these 20 song games where we, we write 20 songs in one day. Uh, or I'll write, I'll, I'll kind of isolate myself and Lisa will isolate my, herself and we'll, uh, we'll usually do it with some friends as well. 
but um, you know, you you get up and you start at eight eight a.m. and you end at eight p.m. and hopefully you've written twenty songs, because uh, and and that's a good way to kind of not not say no to yourself so much. So that's because that's what I think that's the worst part about what music school does to you. The training kind of makes you think that certain ideas are are not worthy of attention and development. So. That's really interesting because that's the kind of uh, exercise that I think writers do, like in uh, uh, MFA programs for, you know, writing workshops, not musical writers, but actual, you know, writers where they, they have, you know, so it's, it's not, it doesn't, it's just opening those gates so that you can actually tap into the kind of expression that you need an exercise. So that's really interesting actually to me. I'm certainly not great at theory. <laughs> it's definitely not my strong suit in school. I I feel like for me it's been helpful to be aware of the theory and kind of understand how it functions. But when I write music, I don't really think about that at all. I, I think I more rely on what I hear and how it makes me feel. So I, and I think um, we have kind of, we, we really do have very different ways that we understand music like I feel like Chris and Sam really get the theory and kind of the, the very technical aspects of making music um, Chris is a really talented uh, drummer where he can really hear the rhythms and be able to quickly like put them onto the kit and kind of manipulate them for what we need them to be and I think Sam really hears those like I think he hears harmonic structures really well and I, I feel like melody and kind of hearing where a melody should go is something that I can add to the band and something that I feel confident with. Um, but it is very different. We kind of all see it in we see this experience through different lenses based on, you know, how we were taught and our experiences in music school. Um, so it's cool to hear how Chris and Sam understand the music and just interesting to kind of learn from them in that and, yeah, just be able to share from from what you know. Yeah, as a, and as a songwriter, like the classical piano training, really, I, I think it, it helps in some ways expand my vocabulary, but the thing that I've become more and more aware is and what really helps is reading, just reading literature and, and books and articles and that, you know, the words are, are important. Because, <laughs> you know, you can have one chord and it's still a good song. But that's the, that's the, that's the real catch-22 about this whole thing. Like, you, you don't need to make it that sophisticated to be to be have a sophisticated message. You know, it's that juxtaposition of simplicity and complexity that makes it really effectively um, compelling. It's, it's a lot of luck, really, I think. Well, I think expression is so important that you have to believe in whatever it is that you're saying or else why are you saying it? And, it, and I feel like when I listen... And I'm a weird one because... I don't necessarily, I don't know why I do this, but I don't listen to the words the the singer is singing. I listen to the melody 
and what the uh-huh. mel- what the melody's conveying, and then later on I think, oh wow, there are words here. Oh wow, they're saying this kind of stuff that I was thinking about. You know, um, it what I've what I uh, found when I was listening to your music was there was there was this really kind of tense cathartic um, release or expression, but mm. I, have, I have no idea what you were singing about. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah well i don't honestly though like i think i think that i it's more of a feeling in the words that it doesn't always mean something concrete and but usually without fail within a couple months i'll have a an experience that i have in my life that kind of suddenly becomes extremely relevant to whatever song i also think so. that um i studied in school for music, I did a lot of uh, French art songs, and you read a lot of those lyrics, and they're so disjointed. They kind of, they kind of. I mean, I think because a lot of the symbolist poem. Yeah, symbolism, and I think also because it was tied in with it, the impressionistic art movement. So it's more like it's kind of hazy. You get the general idea, but it's very like expressive and very much about the feeling and the heart behind it instead of something very concrete. For me, that was really, um, I love that kind of music, and I, I definitely was really influenced by it. Um, you said the, the French art song? Is that what you said? Uh, uh, like Debussy and Foray, um, they were uh, really, really beautiful uh, composers, and, and uh, I think they I think they wrote a lot of the, the chords for it and then paired up with a, with a poet. To put words uh, to like the melody. Malam uh, and uh, gosh, who was the other poet that they they used a lot of? Uh, uh, those simplest poets from the late nineteenth century. That, that gosh. Did they also call those that. tone poems, or what? What is a tone poem? A tone poem is really a, usually an instrumental word, um, and those are kind of more the Germanic style of like it's a it's a it's a picture that you create or like a story that you're telling with a big symphonic work or uh, like the it's kind of like a I guess you can go either way but if you get more on the Wagnerian side of things you've got um, almost like a card catalog of these leitmotifs that mean specific things or like uh, there's the ecstasy leitmotif or the, the death leitmotif where certain characters have different melodies that they're ascribed to them and as those melodies are transformed, it means like this person is happy or this person is sad or, um, and the, the way they juxtapose those, that's kind of a more Wagnerian and Germanic way of approaching the music, um, which I love. I love Strauss and I love Schoenberg and I love all those uh, really hyper romantic and early 20th century German composers. But um, the, the tone, the, the kind of more sensual, surfacey sort of um, stuff. The French yeah. approach is really compelling in in a way that way it's so effortless in some ways. Well, I think it was also really helped by the fact that uh, there were there was such a strong visual with that as well. Like when you think about French uh, art song, it's always paired with like a Monet painting. So it's, it's and it's kind of like that's exactly what it sounds like. Is what that looks like and. Um, I was just like, really fascinated by that and how, how like how that is connected and how that works so well. At least in my mind, I'm sure someone would disagree with me, but um, 
Does Chris have any background in this? Does he have any sense of what you guys are talking about? Did he have a musical background like this, a education, music education background? Uh, I did. I did a year and a half um, in music performance and percussion, um, and I got to learn a lot about the marimba at that time and other um, orchestrated pieces and percussion ensembles, and I really enjoyed doing the uh, percussion ensembles because it's just it's just like all percussion and um it was amazing the sounds that you could get from these instruments and like the sounds like the instruments that you would create you know like by tying a string in a middle of a drum head taking the other side of the drum off and like pulling the string and it creates this like huge like almost sounds like a french horn uh whale or something like that uh so it was really fun to experiment with like drums at that time and the um the complexity of the rhythms and how they played together with so many drummers at once was really was really fun to like get into um but yeah that that was like the main thing that i took from it i only did a year and a half so i didn't get that into theory i touched on piano and marimba and stuff like that it seems like the percussion ensemble always had the best musicians in it. Like, I don't know why. The, but... Sorry? No, I mean, it just seems like like they were the cream of the crop in terms of, like, man, they, they had the chops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Drum, drum ensemble music is always so interesting, like, because it's meant to be... I mean, it's kind of a hard sell if you think about it. It's, if you think about getting a concert together and it's just drums, you're gonna have to have like some pretty good, some pretty good music or some pretty show showy music or yeah. a lot of passionate kind of. It basically, it's always. I feel like it's always framed in. You thought drums were just this, but they're actually this. Yeah. It's not just like a beat. I think the thing I think is so. coolest about the percussion section, I I played violin in like middle school and high school, and I got into the I got into my high school symphony orchestra, and then I kind of realized that I was really I like the violin, but I like to sing more, so I just let myself kind of slip to the back of the second violin section. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that was easy to do because everybody was so competitive at my school, so you know you have like a stand section challenge. It's like, well, I'm going down. <laughs> but I was right back by all the percussion. And so I got to kind of, you know, like while I'm playing, I just got to hear how they were going between different instruments and kind of, uh, they were just really, they were good at everything. They could play any of those things back there. Really great readers. Um, but I've always been really fascinated by percussion and I, I really enjoy, uh, I enjoy watching Chris play. He's, he's really good. <laughs> I remember, I remember seeing a, a piece played by a, a percussionist at, at our school. Uh, it was, it was just triangle, and it went on for about seven or eight minutes, and it was just straight. <laughs> and it was just amazing, because um, he would, you know, you can, you think it's just a triangle, you know, but there's things you can do with the triangle apparently. Yeah. And so he uh he was dampening parts of the 
one of the sides of the triangle and it changed the tone. And it's just a, it was like you, you were hypnotized the whole time. It was a very formative uh, moment in my uh, musical life. I think. Well, it sounds like the road has gotten a little better, or you pulled off. Well, track has been worse, so you're lucky. You're in luck. We're, uh, we're, I think we're passing the Emeryville exit, um, and you know we're going about 15 or no, 25. It's pretty good. Oh yeah, the roads are they're uh, covered in litter, but they're well manicured enough, I think. Okay, so then. Oh, I wouldn't eat off the Oh, yeah. Here comes the carpool lane. Oh, baby. V8 Magnum. 5.9 liters. Powerful piece. So then did you guys all... Where did you all... Did you all meet in Portland, or did you meet someplace and decide, let's let's take this outfit to Portland? Well, uh, yeah, Lisa and, I, Lisa and I met in college. We went to school together in Hope College in Holland, Michigan. Oh, hello there. Um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Is that a Chevy Malibu or something like that? Anyway, um, yeah, Lisa and I met in music school. Uh, I asked her out after music theory class. It was real nerdy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we, we moved to Oregon, and we went through a drummer or two, um, and, you know, we... We were really uh, happy when we found Chris. Uh, he moved in with a friend of ours, who was a, I mean, our friend Sebastian, who's our producer. And um, immediately, it was it was a, it was love at first love at first uh, rim shot. I think. <laughs> I I would always test out drummers by having them play in five to see if they could understand like the, the, the idea of playing in five and. I don't know that I understand playing in five. I I, it's. I don't think my brain does. I don't think my brain does five. Conceptually, I I I I get it, but I don't know that I can, as a musician, could do it. Yeah, you just start over after five. (laughs) (laughs) But four is just so ingrained in us. The idea, you you know. Yeah, if you do it for a while, you kind of just it kind of just starts to feel natural. It does take a, it does take practice. I, I just cheers cheers of practice. And it's funny, we don't even really have songs in five. I just <laughs> it was just like the whole thing I just demanded. I was such I was actually a little bit more demanding and kind of uh, jerky back then, I think. A little less patient. But I've I've learned a lot. I've learned how to how to live in love and accept people for who they are a little bit more. Uh, especially the people in my band. The new album, you have it recorded. It's ready to go. You just need to get it. Uh, uh, We're just trying to find a, a, you know, a label home or just figure out a way to self-release it if, if that's going to be how it's going to be. Um, but in terms of production, it's it, you're just waiting on the on the post type stuff where it's it's all in the. No, can- it's all, all done. It's oh. all done. And we're just kind of waiting for some, like, we're seeing if anybody's going to want to help us press the vinyl. Sure. Or and promote, and promote the record. Yeah. But yeah, we, we've got the, we finished it kind of middle, oh no, late last year. And um, we're just sort of, I guess, shopping it. We emailed a lot of people and we're kind of meeting people at shows and 
talking talking to certain people who might be interested in helping us out and this it's really it's all the all that boring stuff that you never really yeah about. well right it's the kind of stuff that kind of Marketing kind of and sales it. and not sexy yeah. music stuff, right? The kind of thing that, that when you're making breakfast in the morning, you really don't want to think about. And then you have to do it after you eat your toast. And it's kind of a bummer. Well, does it, does it have a name <laughs> or a title, or do you think that could change? It's called, it's called Say It. S-A-F-E? Safe? Say It. Oh, Say It. S-A-Y-I-T. So that that's that's the name of the. There's a song on off the record called "Say It," and uh, it's a it, it's a I think it's a it works with the message of the record, which is kind of more about uh, communication with people and um, lying to people and <laughs> uh, keeping keeping things from from one another and what that does to us. So say it. Most of our records have kind of sub, like they have sort of subliminal. Yeah, say it. What. Right, and your van no longer is saying anything, and so. Well, it is a toll booth. We're we're uh, we're waiting in the. We're at the uh, what's that big bridge called? Uh, I don't know. Is it the Bay Bridge? You, you should like an Oculus. You could should get an Oculus Rift version of your of your radio show. I think it'd be really interesting to like have interviews of people like in their world from their perspective. Oh yeah, we could do FaceTime calls. We could show you where we we could show you the 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 Chevy Traverse that we're behind right now. <laughs> oh, turning left, turning left. Okay. Ooh. I, the nice thing camera. that's kind of interesting to me is this idea you're saying about uh, lies and speaking truth. Does that come out yeah. of? Uh, the current political situation at all, or is this just you know it, it really uh, it resonated with it. That's for sure. Like a lot of the songs, I, I was kind of I mentioned this a little bit before. And, um, sometimes I'll write it. We'll write a song, and it doesn't really. It's like, oh, what's this one about? Well, I mean, I can feel that it's about something cohesive, so it works. And it doesn't. I don't disagree with whatever it's saying. And then you kind of sit with it, and then something happens, and then suddenly. Oh wow! This is about this could be about this. Um, it's just a you know, and if it does, if it doesn't end up meaning anything, that's kind of a bummer. And it, but that really doesn't happen. It's usually there's usually some kind of context that sort of the the universe sort of generates for whatever kind of like subliminal truth that's hiding in the songs. I think. Well, so in our world, we call that synchronicity. Um, and so yeah. uh, this audience loves synchronicity. It's one of those, it's a force. We're all about that. Yeah. So do you have any, any great synchronicity stories? Yeah, there's, there's, a, um, there's a song off the new record called Driving By that I wrote. Um, it was really just a joke. Uh, it was during the 20, 20 song game that we were doing. Um, and I was just so tired that I didn't want to write anything. I didn't want to do anything. And so when you're in that situation, you kind of have to, like, you have to sort of do something stupid in order to keep yourself, just raise your spirits a little bit. So I kind of turned on the corny, like, Oberheim-style synth brass, like, bow, bow, that kind of sound. And I, I wrote a song about uh, somebody who... Uh, was so down on themselves that they wanted their 
ex-lover to hit them with a car. And they were just, like, begging to be hit by a car. And so <laughs> that was a little bit, like, it was kind of dark, darkly humorous uh, to me. But everybody in the band was just really, they, everybody really liked the song, which I really kind of resented. But then um, that that summer, I got to spend some time with a, a, a veteran of the Iraq War who um, had some pretty bad, like, emotional like PTSD, and I would supervise visits with him and his son. And we we were walking along the side of the road at one point, and he started talking about like pushing me into traffic and 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 sort of like jumping into traffic and like it, it just it became very real at that very moment. Um, that that I, I finally had a face to whoever this person was in the song. So I kind of I I changed a few words here and there, and um, it that's kind of that's sort of the heart of that song now to me. It it doesn't mean it, it's it just turned in an instant. It kind of turned to from a song that was a joke to me to a song that was very like very real. So yeah, the idea of synchronicity is really interesting. I uh, I had a group of folks, a group of artists that I worked with this year, and we did. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Artist Way. Um, it's a book by Julia Cameron and. It's an eight-week, no, sorry, it's a 12-week process of kind of uncovering your creative potential um, and just kind of exploring who you would be if you let yourself be more creative and gave yourself permission to do that. So I think for me, the synchronicity of, of this kind of period for Samadam and writing songs that are about, you know, just saying what you're thinking and being a little bit more honest um, I feel like that's kind of a lifeline that's going through a lot of conversations that we have with family and friends and just within our kind of musical community of people. Um, I think this year I've just seen so much more vulnerability from people that I have never seen before. Um, I think the election definitely made a huge impact in that as well. Um, so, yeah, I think there's been a lot of synchronicity and a lot of opportunities to kind of connect with people through music that uh, maybe a year ago I wouldn't have said yes to or wouldn't be open to. And, um, yeah, I think this record has really helped kind of move through some of those personal blocks for me and uh, just believe that there is an opportunity and, and potential to be creative and, and believe that about yourself. Um, and if, if you haven't read The Artist Way, I would highly recommend it. It's a, a really great book that helps you connect with other artists and, um, yeah, just there's, kind of grow. There's so. something called The Morning Pages that, that she espouses um, in that book, which is really cool. You you sort of do a dump. Uh, you write for three pages every morning. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, it's really it's really interesting. You just It doesn't even have to make sense, so. But yeah, you can start some interesting trains of thought that that way, you know, good good and bad. But it's all it's all part of being a healthy artist, I think. <laughs> Keeping the valve open. So Portland is yeah. one of the most progressive cities in the country. What is what is it like living there these days? In Portland, um, it's you know, it's I think that well. It's kind of a, I guess it's a complicated question. There's, it's it's progressive in so many ways. Um, like we have 
citywide composting and you know they have they they they're building light rail here and there and it's i think that there's a lot of like especially a lot of racial um uh wounds that are going to be extremely difficult to confront and to heal um and that's kind of going hand in hand and uh, it's getting kind of exacerbated with a lot of the issues with gentrification and um a lot you know our the housing price is just shooting through the roof and it's displacing a lot of people so so but there is a i've been seeing more uh movements toward at least building housing for the homeless which um is encouraging to me uh but it's you know i think people are i feel like there's a, a general sense of unease right now uh with a lot of people that i know yeah, you know, and that's not like. Yeah, and that's why I'm looking forward yeah. to Tree Fort. Just. <laughs> It'll be great. To take a week off. Sure. Yeah, but I think. In Boise, think, of all places. Yeah, I don't think it's unique to Portland though, because I'm, I've I've done some yeah we do, we do traveling we're kind of around and see different cities and I feel like that sentiment is everywhere. Hmm. Um, there's just this growing pressure in cities and um Portland is such a small town. <laughs> it is. It's it's a small town and it just feels like everything has gotten so much faster and more impatient and um yeah, it's interesting when you kind of start to feel like you own a place, which I wouldn't say is a great uh posture of your heart, but when you start to feel really attached to something and you feel like you can't predicted anymore and you can't you you aren't as big and powerful as you think you were um and maybe that's kind of a big good lesson out of all of this uh that change does happen and we have to be active if we want to stand up for the things that we you know believe in and the things that we don't want to see change or don't want to see yeah. go away it, um, you might not you might not ever like i guess regardless of where you are, you might not have a place to be like on the top, but you can always serve other people. There's always a, a need to serve the community. Um, even if it's a small community, you, there's, a, there's a way to sort of be, to be useful and to be giving and to be um, nurturing to the people who really need it. So that's what we're trying to do right now in, in Portland. I think we're trying to figure out ways that we can, um, we have house shows at our house sometimes and we try to just, foster a good good feelings you know um safe safe places for people to be and to hear music well cool so that's kind of yeah we're just about out of time you said you played tree fort in the past um yeah are you going to be there how long are you going to get to be there and are you, are you looking forward to anything or who, do you have any friends coming to town for it too yeah, well, we're going to be there on Friday, um, and gosh, I really wish we were there on Thursday, but we can't make it. Uh, but for everybody who's going to be there on Thursday, you have to see, is AU playing? Yeah. AU, and Dan Dan is playing on Thursday. All of our, A lot of our friends are playing on Thursday. So, yeah. Um, and I, I'm just going to be wandering around and checking out all this new, all the new stuff that I've never heard of. So that's going to be really fun we, we the last time we were there we did a lot of like unofficial things which is kind of funny uh you know 
it's almost felt like more like South by. <laughs> not as hot, not hot, I think. So, but it, it's a. Uh, we're not going to do that this year. We're going to try to enjoy the festival and, and just find our friends. But, you know, we have a lot of friends in Boise. Um, Sunbud stories. Those guys and gals. Um, Sick business. Sick businesses are they're, they're friends of ours. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be good times. Cool. And so you guys are playing. It looks like Saturday at the Linen Building at seven thirty. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Likewise. And that was yeah. forty two minutes. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Totally. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. Thanks, you bet. You've been listening to Sam Adams on Forty Two Minutes, production of SyncBook Radio and thesyncbook.com for more information about tickets for Treefort visit treefortmusicfest.com for more information about Sam Adams visit samadams.bandcamp.com and for more information about the Syncbook our guests check out past shows or just subscribe to the podcast via iTunes please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com if you like this podcast and would like more consider becoming a Syncbook Plus member some of the membership benefits include full access to the complete audio archive, discounts on books, behind-the-scenes scripts, bonus audio and video, as well as seasonal online hangouts with the hosts. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com membership. Thanks so much, and see you at Treefort. Isn't it a faster, isn't it a faster car? Isn't our travel form? Oh, oh, not to. Such a bastard shouldn't have to take your hand. You just fuck up all the way. So, oh, father, how far I fell, no time can tell. No sense in. As I can see No horizon